In his book, uh, The Wisdom of Tenderness, Brendan Manning tells the following story. He says, several years ago, Edward Farrell of Detroit took his two-week vacation to Ireland to celebrate his favorite uncle's 80th birthday. On the morning of the great day, Ed and his uncle, they got up before dawn, dressed in silence, and went for a walk along the shores of Lake Killarney. And just as the sun rose, his uncle turned and stared straight at that rising orb. Ed stood beside him for 20 minutes with not a single word exchanged. And then the elderly uncle began to skip along the shoreline. A radiant smile spread across his face. <laughs> After catching up with him, Ed commented, Uncle Seamus, you look very happy. Do you want to tell me why? Yes, lad, <laughs> the old man said, tears washing down his face. You see, the father is fond of me. Ah, my father is so very fond of me. <laughs> uh, have you ever responded to God's love for you like that? Um, have you ever skipped with this, some uh, kind of a childhood joy um, just because um, you have experienced God's great love for you? Listen, I got to tell you right up front, my invitation to you this morning is going to be that um, uh, you join with me to celebrate God's great love for you with a, a childhood joy. <laughs> and listen, I, I might even want to invite you to do that by not only just smiling and, and laughing and singing, <laughs> but also maybe even skipping a little bit. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2, would you this morning? Ephesians chapter 2. We continue in our study through Ephesians, as Pastor Paul just talked about. And now we've come to uh, the second chapter, which is just incredible. Ephesians chapter 2. Now, I got to tell you, before we can celebrate, before we can to dance and, uh, and skip along the, the lake, we, we first of all need to um, uh, understand the profound depths that we are in. Look with me, verses 1 through 3. Chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Now listen, here in these first three verses, Paul gives us the plight of humanity without God. I mean, you, you look at those first three verses, in reality, they are a condensed version of what Paul tells us in the first three chapters of Romans. And we can trace this plight 
back to Adam and Eve, the first humans who um, introduced sin into the world because they disobeyed God. But you must remember that although they introduced sin, they didn't make you or I sin. All of us have made uh, uh, the conscious choice to commit sins in our, our lives. And because of our sins, all of us have earned death. I mean, Romans 6.23 says, the wages of sin is death. We have earned death. <laughs> and I got to tell you, one of the most difficult truths of all of Scripture for people to grasp is this, uh, grasp and accept this truth of our death, of our hopeless condition before Christ. I mean, think about it. What we want to do, we want to just kind of water it down, right? Not accept it. Refuse it. St. <laughs> Augustine once wrote, My sin was all the more incurable because I did not think of myself a sinner. That's us. That's our world around us. I mean, you go up... Uh, you know, to Washburn, you, you, you talk to a kid who is playing football and involved there with his friends in all sorts of exciting activities, and he's looking forward to building a life of his own one day, and you say to him, do you know that you're dead? <laughs> I guess he's going to look back at you and say, do you know that you're crazy? <laughs> so what does Paul mean when he says that we were dead? I want to tell you, he's not using a figure of speech here as Jesus did in the parable of the prodigal son. Um, but rather what he's doing here is he's given us a factual statement of everyone's spiritual condition outside of Christ. Before Christ, our soul had no life. We were blind to the glory of Jesus and we were deaf to the voice of the Holy Spirit. We were corpse-like and unresponsive to God. We were dead as a result, he says, of our trespasses and sins. I got to understand, those two words that Paul chooses here, they're chosen for their comprehensive account of human evil. Because what they do is they cover both the active and, and the passive um, sins that we commit. That word trespasses, it comes from uh, the Greek word, which means to miss your step. So if I were to walk off this platform and I were to try to step on this first step, but missed my step and stepped on the, the next step below that, that's what he's talking about. I'm missing the step. <laughs> Um, I'm guilty of missteps. I have trespassed. We don't mean to do it, but in the end, we, we end up missing the way, right? Then there are our sins. Um, the word sin there is a, a violation of truth when we know it to be truth. I mean, there are times, right, where we're we're guilty of intentionally and deliberately doing wrong. And because of our trespasses, because of our sins, 
Paul tells us we were dead. <laughs> we were alienated from the life of God. And that all happened because of three influences um, that control and direct our existence. Do you, do you see this? Um, uh, there's the influence of the world. The course of this world, he tells us in verse 2. Um, by world, uh, the Apostle Paul here is referring to uh, human society uh, apart from God. He's, he's not talking about earth itself, uh, you know, the, uh, the mountains and lakes and trees. He's not talking about nature. He's talking about the world. Secular society that lives apart from, from God, determined to work out all of its problems without any reference whatsoever to God. That world produces a tremendous pressure for us to conform, right? And we've all felt that pressure to conform, haven't we? <laughs> These days, um, with the power of social media comes, have you discovered this? People that are called um, influencers. Um, social media influencers. And what they try to do is they try to leverage their, their knowledge and their expertise to shape and uh, to mold culture. Um, they post and they blog about what they like and, and what they don't like and, and name brands. They, they love influencers because they create trends and fads that, that, that help them in their sales. And we all want to follow whatever the influencer is <laughs> influencing us in. Um, but see, conformity uh, happens not only in the realm of, of uh, name brands or possessions or things. It also happens in the way that we react and the way that we think and, and in our attitudes. And we're governed by our friends and we're governed by our neighbors and we're governed and, and we're pressured to conform to the views of our world around us. Beyond the, the world, there's the influence, Paul tells us, of the prince of the power of the air, that is Satan, the devil, who is at work um, in the sons of disobedience. Paul is saying the influence of Satan, when he says the, the air, prince of the power of the air, he's talking about the idea that, that uh, the influence of Satan is all over the earth. Um, all of humanity has followed in his footsteps into disobedience. You say, well, disobedient into what? Well, disobedient to truth. The God of truth is always uh, trying to capture our attention and, 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 and to set reality before us. Um, but there's an evil spirit <laughs> that's there in, in, in society, which is constantly saying, um, you know, when you see it as truth, you know, don't do it. I mean, isn't that our initial reaction to someone's um, demands? It's, it's say, well, why should I do that? Why, why should I listen to what you're telling me to do? Why, why should I do what you ask? <laughs> there seems to be this um, tinge of, uh, of disobedience in all of us about almost everything that we do. Why is that? Well, the apostle says it's because 
Well, because a disobedient spirit who is constantly challenging every single law and force which God has called into being, that that disobedient spirit is at work in us to influence us. Then Paul gives us a third influence which um, holds us in captivity, in, in bondage. The passion of the flesh, he describes it. Um, when Paul talks about flesh here, um, he's not referring to the, the, you know, the skin that covers our, our bones. He's talking about our fallen, self-centered human nature. The passions, these flesh passions are, are further defined as the desires of the body and the, and the mind. Now, let me be clear here. Um, uh, Paul's not referring to our natural uh, bodily desires, you know, for food, uh, for sleep, for sex. What Paul is talking about is when those desires become perverted into sinful desires, into desires that, that end up taking control and leaving God out of the equation. These three verses here, in, in, in Ephesians chapter 2, these three first verses, they speak about the, the universal nature of, of sin. And let me remind you, there is no amount of church going or, or tithing or, or singing or, or praying or clapping or preaching that can make a difference in the fact that we all deserve to suffer the wrath of God because of our sins. And although Paul here portrays a powerful picture of our lost human condition, um, I got to remind you, he is not saying there's no value um, in humanity. All humans, whether they're believers or, or whether they, they aren't, are, are created in the image of, of God. And therefore, everyone... All humans have an enormous value and, and capability. Got to remember that. He's not saying that here. But because of our sins, he's saying, all people without God are living dead. And in our enslavement, we follow desires and distorted reasonings that leave God out of the picture, and therefore we're all under God's wrath. We're all lost. All of us are helpless. We're dead. Unable to help ourselves. Struggling, miserable, wretched. Unfulfilled, unsatisfied. And things just seem to be getting worse and worse, right? We were in profound depths. But here's the good news. God in his great love lifted us to life. Look with me at verse 4 through 6. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We were objects of God's wrath. Catch this. We were objects of God's wrath. But God. But God. I mean, those two words. 
but God, they, I mean, they represent a, a complete change, a contrast, hope. Listen, if you write in your Bibles, um, I'd encourage you, underline those two words, but God, circle those two words, but God, because now comes the reason to celebrate, comes the reason to sing, comes the reason to skip. Those three verses, um, they show us, the first three verses, they showed us the plight of humanity without God. These next verses, they show us the privilege of humanity with God. See, once we were children of wrath, but now, but now, we are sons and daughters of God's love. Before we were in Christ, we were dead. But now, God has made us alive in Christ and lifting us up to amazing heights. Before, I mean, we, we, we were slaves, but now we've been raised with Christ and seated up with him in the heavenly places, a position of honor and position of power. God, through his great love, has reversed our condition of sin. Now, you might be tempted to basically ask the question, say, Sutton, listen, I mean, why does God do this? Well, Paul here, he, what he does is he uses three key words to explain why God saves us. God's mercy, God's grace, God's love. God is rich in mercy. You see he says that? But God, being rich in mercy, and it's in our misery which brings out God's uh, mercy. Parents, you understand this. Um, listen, if a child, um, if, if your child is suffering from a severe cold, um, let's say her, her throat is sore, uh, her eyes are watering, her nose is running, um, and, and she's all stuffed up and she can hardly breathe and she's aching, I mean, in every, every joint and she's miserable and all she can do is throw her arms around your neck and cry. I mean, parents, what does that make you want to do as a parent? I mean, it awakens your pity, doesn't it? And you reach out and you try to relieve her condition in, in some way, if you possibly can, because her misery has brought out your mercy. That's what God, uh, Paul says, um, has awakened the mercy of God. <laughs> it's the misery of humankind. God sees the misery and the heartache caused by our sin, the, the tears and the, uh, the disappointment, the crushing sense of frustration, of weakness, of inadequacy. He, he sees the abject misery of, of human life and it awakens God's mercy, his rich mercy. And while our, our, our misery awakens God's mercy, it is our guilt that brings out God's grace. When God looks at us 
and sees us as guilty, as actually having made choices and done things which were deliberately wrong when we knew them to be wrong, it, it does, it, it, it calls forth his compassion expressed in grace. And even though we deserve it, he still doesn't want to leave us in our guilt. So as grace is aroused and he reaches out to find a way to set aside the demands of the, of the law and to relieve us from due punishment of our, our, our guilt and to set us free. And he's done that. It's the grace of God which has dealt with our guilt. And God's grace and God's mercy are both uh, are awakened by his love. A love that's active. You see that? Look what he says here. He says, because of the great love with which, with which he loved us. <laughs> what the Apostle Paul has in mind here is the cross. And behind it, the whole story of Jesus coming to earth. That's a sign of the love of God. I mean, how do we know God loves us? Well, because God so loved the world that he gave, right? I mean, that's always the mark of love. And it's because of this incredible love that God does the unthinkable. God, out of his great love, saves us from these profound depths that we were in and lifts us up to amazing heights. And I want you to notice the heights that he takes us to. First of all, he made us alive together with Christ. Um, and then, second, we are raised up with Christ. And third, we were made to sit with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And I want you to notice um, that in each of those phrases, Paul repeats that, that little phrase, with Christ. With Christ. We were made to, alive together with Christ. We were raised up with him. We were made to sit with him. <laughs> the greatest fact is that all of all is that we are, we're joined to Christ. He has come to, to live in us. And more than just come to live with us, he has joined himself to us so that we're one person with him. I mean, when we receive Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord, we are with him. <laughs> now our identity is in Christ. Instead of our world and our, our, our culture shaping us, Jesus Christ is our primary culture. Listen, these three statements that Paul makes here are not simply three theological phrases. No, they, they represent realities which have already happened and which we desperately need to get a hold of and understand. We are alive with Christ. It means we're no longer dead. <laughs> the condition into which we were born has been changed. We're no longer alienated from God. We now have a relationship with God as one of his children, part of 
I mean, we're, we're part of God's family. And we can come to God as our father with a father's love, a father's arms, and a, and a father's heart. Max Lucado, <laughs> I love his description of it. He, he says it this way. One of the sweetest reasons God saved you is because he's fond of you. He likes having you around. He thinks you're the best thing to come down the pike in quite a while. If God had a refrigerator, <laughs> your picture would be on it. If he had a wallet, your photo would be in it. He sends you flowers every spring and a sunrise every morning. Whenever you want to talk, he'll listen. He can live anywhere in the universe, and he chose your heart. And the Christmas gift he sent to Bethlehem? <laughs> I mean, face it, friends. He's crazy about you. <laughs> We've also been raised with Christ. What happened to him has, think about this, it's, it's happened to us. We participated with him in his death and in his resurrection. And that same resurrection power that worked in Christ is worked, working us. This means that we're able to do what we were never able to do by ourselves. I mean, we're able to act in a way that's impossible to those who are without Jesus Christ. For example, I mean, we're able to love the unlovable, to achieve the unachievable, forgive the unforgivable. I mean, that's the power of the resurrection life. It's, it, it's for situations just like that. It's designed to confound the, the calculations of, of men and to transform the demoralized and not to solve but to dissolve the problems of life. As the resurrection power enables us to come at life with a, with a different attitude, which often uh, baffles and, and bewilders people. I mean, they can't figure it out. They recognize that whatever it is, it, it, it does wonderful things, and that's what it's for. That's what it means to be raised up together with him. But listen, that's not the ultimate. Think about this. We've also been made to sit with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. What's that mean, you say? Well, the heavenlies, I mean, they're not some far distant spot out there in heaven somewhere. No, it's the invisible realm of Reality, the inner life, the place where we feel tension and pressure and anxiety and hostility. We're, we're to rest there. Having done what Jesus asked us to do, we're to sit down and rest, relax, and let him bear the pressure and deal with the problems. And so now we can sing, you know, that, that, that famous hymn, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future and life is worth the living because he lives. And we live with him. 
So you say, well, why does God do all this? Why has he saved me uh, from these profound depths and lifted me up to these, uh, uh, these amazing heights? Well, look with me. Now look with me at verses 7 through 10. So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. So that, you catch that? So that. Verse 8, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It's a gift of God, not a result of works. So no one can boast, for we are his workmanship, creating Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. <laughs> Listen, uh, God has done all of this so that we can be a trophy, a trophy of God's grace. We are God's, think about this, God's grace publicity program for all ages, you and I. <laughs> ah. This past Friday, maybe you're a sports fan, maybe not, I don't know. This past Friday night, the, the, the Minnesota Twins beat the California Angels. Um, and, and with that victory, um, the, the Twins become the champions of the Central Division in the American League, Okay. And, and uh, so what do they do now that they're the division champions? Well, what they're going to do is they're going to put up a, a banner that will fly up over top of the upper rim of, of Target Field uh, to tell everyone to broadcast it, it, it wide that they won the Central Division. They're the Central Division champions. Listen, that's what God has done in us. We are the trophies of his grace. God is going to put us on display, friends. He's going to fly us as his banner. Each one of us will be a vivid demonstration of God's grace and, and the perfection of God's character. The glory of his person will be visible in us throughout the coming ages, especially as it's manifested in us through the coming ages, especially um, it, it manifested through his kindness towards us. See, God has a plan for our salvation, friends, and that plan is to use us as beacons that shine his grace upon the rest of his creation. Or his workmanship, prepared beforehand, that we should walk with him. Friends, uh, that's God's grace. Have you heard the, the, ever heard the saying uh, that goes something like that? You know, there's a turtle on the fence post. Um, you know, if you've ever seen a turtle on a fence post, you know it didn't get there by himself. <laughs> Somebody lifted him up there. That's God's grace. The fact that we are alive in Christ is not from our own doing. I mean, we, we couldn't crawl out of the depths in which we were in. We, we could never climb up on top of that fence post on our own, in our own strength, it, by being good enough. No, instead, we are alive, and we've been lifted to incredible heights, put on that fence post as a gift of God out of his grace. So here's what I want you to do. I got a little assignment, real quick, 
assignment. I want you to turn to the person next to you and, and say to them, hey, neighbor, you're looking at a grace case, okay? Neighbor, you're looking at a grace case. So just tell that person, I, okay? You're looking at a grace case. <laughs> Listen, I mean, the only reason I'm standing up here this morning is because of grace. And the only reason that I'm alive today is because of God's grace. Same could be said for all of you. God, out of his love for you, reached back into his eternal bank account to withdraw some grace that he now has given to us that we might showcase just how good God is to us. God's great love, he did the unthinkable. He rescued us from that profound depths and he has lifted us to amazing heights. And that's worth celebrating. I want to invite our worship team to come up here on the platform. And, and I want to, as they're coming up here, this is my invitation to you, remember? My invitation to all of us is that we would celebrate together, celebrate God's great love for you, for us, with a childhood joy. Smile, I mean laugh, I mean, I mean sing. And if you want, you might even skip a little. Let's celebrate.